Hi, everyone. See Me, Hear Me, Love Me podcast is back after a very, very long year of not recording. We are recording on Zoom, which means anyone, anywhere can join the See Me, Hear Me, Love Me conversation. It's for parents of young children. It's to hear your stories so that you are seen, heard, and acknowledged for all of the messiness of life with kids. And that we can also see, hear, and cherish the messiness in your children because, hmm, How else could we be? So I want to know what's on your mind so that you can send me a message and join this conversation. Do you want to talk about the never-ending adaptations of life after COVID, with COVID, partnering with COVID, coexisting with COVID? Do you want to know about the messiness of living in a constantly changing world after we had all those illusions of control and certainty, hmm, nope, it's all blown out of the water now. We can talk about growth mindset, how to embrace mistakes and learning and everything we don't know. We can talk about emotions, how many situations and emotions challenge us day after day, sometimes 12 emotions in one hour. You know, Our mission has always been to help clarify and build our skills at emotional and social intelligence. So it's a great opportunity because we are being challenged just about all the time now. Is life with kids really this hard or is there an easier way? (sighs) We can talk about that. Message me on Facebook, on Instagram, or email me. We can go far and wide now that we are recording on Zoom, and I'd love to hear from you. Now here's our podcast for today. Enjoy. I am so excited to be here for episode number 223, and this is the magnificent Tara Cabre, who has been on our podcast before. Um, she, I, have, I had to look it up. It is, you were on number 129, The Power of Comfort Objects. And that one was so sweet because we heard about your blanket. And then you did, a, you did I think you did both with your husband, um, Destin, who's also a therapist. 169 was Parenting, Marriage, and Communication. But this is Tara, and I welcome you wholeheartedly as a mom, as a therapist, as a friend, as, some, as, a, as a wife who is experiencing this world of COVID, of back to school, and today's topic, anxiety. And I've called it yours, mine, and ours because I feel like the children have their anxiety or possible anxiety or possible response to whatever this craziness that we're living through is. We have our grown-up fear, stress, anxiety, and then we have something that's this shared world of, oh my gosh, and, and you mentioned this before we went on, on to, to recording, that it's a different time. And so the skills that we all need are being shaped by a world that one of your children experienced, but one of your children is experiencing it with a different foundation. So enough of the introduction. Welcome, Tara. Say hello to everyone, please. Karen, you speak so eloquently. Everything you say, it's just like, yes, yes, yes. Um, so thank you. And I can't find my blankie, so I need to go <laughs> back to episode 120-something. And um, 
everything you said is is so relevant. I um, I'm so happy to be here with you and with everybody as a mom, as a therapist, as a wife, as a, as a human who is affected by our world. Um, and there's no, there's no playbook for it. There's none. And we're not, and and the thing that you remind us of is, is that we're not in it alone. And thank you for the support that you give to all of us on Facebook and on social media, and that I know you give to your private clients. And because I skipped it in the intro, Tara and her husband, Dustin, are at the Boca Raton Counseling Center. And um, it is invaluable to have that extra support. And I know later on, we'll talk about when people need that extra support, um, how how to get exactly what you need. But let me read what Tara posted on Facebook when I said, okay, we're back to podcasting. And it was just a few weeks ago. And it was this idea that we're in back to school. So all the intensity and we're in South Florida. So our numbers were going through the roof back then. Um, And it was schools will announce fall plans soon. I imagine everyone will be unhappy. Remember that you help determine your child's attitude. Be angry or sad in private. Discuss your frustrations away from the kids. Set them up for success by teaching them to make the best of it. Be a sounding board for their worries and disappointments. Stay positive and model perseverance. Help! I mean, (laughs) that for me, and it it, it rings true, you know, today. um, I think think that our children are being... Um, you know, adversely ex- exposed to our um, attempt to control an environment that we cannot control. Yeah. And um, I really want to, as open and honest as I am with my children about life in general, um, this, you know, my, my little one has definitely been affected by this pandemic. I think that his foundation is different than my older one in that for the past almost two years, being told not just by parents, but by teachers, by other friends, parents, by people in the grocery store, don't touch, stay, you know, stay six feet away, you know, don't breathe, wash your hands, um, you know, no hugs. I mean, all of this, all of this distance um, has been integrated. I have seen this personally, but it has really been integrated into his being. And as a parent, that is so, um, it's so sad. Okay. And, and I think the other fear or monster out there for the little ones is it's invisible and I can't understand it. So while we are freaking out with this thing, we don't understand and don't have a playbook for, um, what we are asking of children, especially early childhood toddlers, is to to check all of their natural responses to engagement, to attachment, to connection. And we're creating these boundaries, whether it's a mask, whether it's the restraining from hugging, from, from licking surfaces everywhere it's everything that you and i both love so much in in early childhood right it's everything that you 
used to do, you know, in your classroom that you can't do anymore. Okay, so when we reopened last September outside and we reopened this September inside, I felt like I had to walk that tightrope as an advocate for young children and say, we must check our fear and our tendencies to keep them from touching and engaging. And so we had to somehow embrace protocols. Now, outside was was easier, but I said, children are going to touch one another. Children are going to take each other's things. Children are going to attempt to take food that others' children are eating, even though it's all individualized. And I need parents to pause and rethink those responses so that the redirection and the support and the guidance doesn't come with fear, anxiety, and oh no. And if you want to say, if your first response is, oh no, then we're going to coach you through saying, ah, how to respond more slowly, how to walk over calmly in the same way that a child dancing on the top of the slide that looks like a danger situation in the old days was a don't scream because your child's going to lose their balance and topple. Um, Just walk closely and say, look at you on top of the slide and look and come over and say, Oh, who's your new friend? Um, And knowing that children back then, we were looking at how long are children going to engage? Um, They're not going to be in a, those, especially from my age group, the under two, they were passing each other in two minutes, not 15 minutes. So take a breath of some, um, that this is not the never touch anything. Anyways, we had to carve out safe space. Were were your students' parents receptive to that guidance? It sounds like you really were an additional sense of support for them and their anxieties in your attempt to sort of coach, yeah, to manage those, to to, to help honor children being children. We and we would absolutely open those first few classes for weeks um, and saying. Where are you on a scale of one to 10? Who are the people that want to say, I can't deal with this stress. I'm going to ignore it and act as if it doesn't exist. And who are the people that have barely tiptoed out of the house yet? And where is, and, and how do we respect every, everybody's response yeah. and the pendulum that says, I'm feeling both and everything every minute. Um, yeah, we really had to, embrace that and create a safe space for children and for parents to to live and coexist. And then I felt like this year, because when I was outside, I felt like I had more control and I could say, and if you're scared, go 20 feet away, go do something solo, catch your breath and then rejoin a socially distant group. And now we're back in a classroom and all of us were like, Oh no, we are we are in this new reality where we have to coexist with new variants, with new protocols, with children not having virtual options and siblings who are in school. I mean, and we went, okay, we are now coexisting side by side with risk. And yet we still felt like we had to find those tools for ourselves. And and I think we're doing okay. But the reason I needed this podcast and I want this podcast is we can all manage for short periods of time, but we are in this marathon of 
of maybe this is our new reality and maybe we aren't getting, maybe there's just going to be another variant and another variant. And so how do we keep up our stamina and what tools do we need for ourselves and for our children? Yeah, but it definitely feels that whatever we, you know, that, that, that two week period that we thought we would be quarantining in March, 2020 um, has become, you know, we're going on, on two years and we're going on, you know, I think in the summer we saw, you know, an opening. And I think people were really embracing life then. And, um, you know, soon after and, you know, end of July, when this Delta variant came out, the fear that came over people and the restrictions and the lack of options due to in our public school system, we started school with no masks. And then there, you know, that was overturned and it's still, uh, you know, a problem. And that Facebook post that I made when school started sort of illuminated that there's no way to please everybody. Right. And unfortunately, this is a collectivist problem. But in the United States, it's, it's an individualistic society. And people do what's good for them. And that doesn't work in what we try to accomplish in terms of community and connection right? And emotional wellness and protecting, you know, protecting our children. So I think that of the yours, mine, and our anxiety, this collective problem of ours, where we can't control other people's beliefs, behavior, um, even protocols, um, depending on what school or program you're in. Can let's let's get this one off the table because I think this we are so limited in what our healthy response to this one is. So in this world of collective responsibility, but individualism, individualism, sure. What's your recommendation for a healthy emotional and behavioral response of what we can control, what we can't, and how to model that for our children? Yeah, that's <laughs> if only I knew the answer to that, because honestly, I struggle with that, right? I, I struggle with that. I, you know, feel that we have a duty to sort of do what's right for our family. I think we also have a duty to sort of teach our children that things that we do affect other people and that what you do matters. And so even as a licensed marriage and family therapist, when I treat an individual, I'm not just treating the individual, but I'm treating you and all of the relationships that surround you, right? So to offset that sort of individualistic, do what's just good for you, um, you know, mentality. And um, I think in terms of, you know, the yours, mine, and ours, it's, 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 yes, this is what's good for our family, but this is also, we're also in a, in a situation right now where we need to protect our friends and our grandparents and our friends' parents and, and ourselves, right? And what does that look like? I think that as much as it is a physical sort of response, that there's physical sort of responses we can make to, to protect, I think the emotional and the mental has gone overlooked. And that's where the anxiety comes up, okay? So as important as it is to mask up, okay, it is as important to sort of just embrace when we can the opportunity to connect and feel close to people 
um, yes. and, 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 and without instilling fear, right? With not, without instilling fear that you're going to get COVID, right? And I think the lack of connection does hurt people physically. You know, if we think about people who are sick and people who aren't well in general, COVID aside, any illness, having people and having that closeness and that connection, that's what helps people heal. That's beautiful and essential and true. And I love it as our framework going forward in this podcast. So because in my heart and mind, you just shifted me personally from the, what I can't control, what makes me angry, what disappoints me, what frustrates me to, okay, choose where I can connect on any given day. Hmm. Choose where I can, if, if I am in a space where I feel less than safe because other people are making different choices than what are right for me and my extended family, then how else can I st- hold connections even to those parts of the world? And yes, beautiful. And without severing. Yes. Without severing. So it's very easy to be very disappointed or feel that due to your efforts and seeing other people fall short, right? It's very easy to be angry, okay? But severing that isn't going to help either. It doesn't help the person that we wish we could fix or change, and it doesn't help our hearts because there's so much constriction in us with every time we sever. Yeah. And, and that, so this, is, this isn't where I expected to begin, but I love that what you are telling us, especially because some of this will be shared on social media, is take a deep breath and evaluate before you start that social media us against them sort of um, conversation because it may be hurting us and it may be hurting our children. Yeah. It feels like a, you know, it, that's, it doesn't feel united. Right. You know, that's another problem of where we are and, you know, it doesn't feel united. Okay. I'm going to move us back to children because I don't want to run out of time and I want to be respectful of your time. So um, all of that is affecting our little ones, Um, little ones being even young adults. (laughs) So if you would, let's go back to where you opened, knowing that each of your children, um, one preschool age, one early school age, have had different experiences and impacts from these two years of COVID. Tell us what you feel and see, if you would. And and, and where I'm going with this, if you don't mind me adding onto a a big question, is where, because I think for parents to feel comfortable in their stress and anxiety, they have to be able to see what their children need. And by you describing where your children are in this, we can then unpack what children need. Yes. So I was very, very relieved um, shortly after when school started this year, because I think what children need is to be in the classroom with their friends. Okay. I think that there is no match for that environment. And I think a little bit to offset where we are in the world, 
them being in that environment um, with, you know, other kids who are dealing with the same thing. That's what's, you know, right, is, um, is essential. And I, I saw a shift with my son, who is preschool age, as soon as school started. And he was where he's supposed to be at that moment in his life. He got back on track quickly, quickly. This was in within 48 hours. Yeah. I had my son back. I love that. And, and I, I, that's been my experience as well, that when we bring children back to those connections and where they're supposed to be, then their resilience, their adaptability is, is, is inspiring to us. They are teaching us how to do this in ways that I couldn't have imagined before that. And, they, and, and, and it's such a beautiful thing because they are my teachers, right? My, my older son is, is very adaptable and, you know, he, you know, goes with what life, you know, throws him. And it's interesting that as an adult, you would think I'm more adaptable than him, but, um, it hurts me more. Right. It hurts me more. And so in an attempt to not put that on him, right, is where I get very sort of like, I check myself. And, and, and I want you to repeat it because that's what we have to, that's what we have to do as, as, as parents is, is check ourselves. You know, you mentioned this word control. It's, um, the cure to anxieties. Yeah. Being in control. Um, (laughs) right. But when you don't have it, right, this, this ability to, to pause and look in and see how I'm reacting might be landing on somebody else. But it's that projection that we think that because we feel it so deeply and so filled with fear and that we can hold those feelings over time, children let go so much better than we do. And, And when you said it hurts you more, that's the hardest thing. But I think that is the mantra in the pause, um, not to believe everything that you are thinking in this moment. Yeah. And knowing that what we do think and what we do feel, if it is impressed upon the kids time and time and time again, it causes unnecessary anxiety. Okay. And there's enough anxiety that we can't control. Right. So the part that we can control, we have to really try to, to separate. Um, okay. So a parent is feeling flooded in, in, as that, you know, I, I, I know my this much of psychology, right? You know, <laughs> so, a lot of it. But, it but, but so let's say you're in that moment and you're feeling overwhelmed with fear, with um, danger that your child is facing a risk um, or that your child is going to be scarred for life from the restrictions, the rules, the, the inconveniences of all of this. I was just about to say, half of it, half of it is the disruption, disruption. and the inconvenience. But how do I know, when you said I hurt more, how do I check myself, but then find out where my child is emotionally and cognitively and behaviorally in that moment? Let's say I can read mine. How do I read their emotions? Yeah. So or I, needs. I think that, you know, for us as, as the grownups to have an outlet and a place to put it, someone to share it with, whether it's a significant other or, you know, 
um, your friends, you know, that that's so important that you have a place to uh, have those flooded emotions held, okay? So that when it's time to be with your children, you can be, right? So those flooded emotions for all of us are there and nobody is exempt from them, right? And so if your child gets overwhelmed, how, what do you want a parent to do besides I, identifying with it? Well, I love what you said about using the example of the child who's on top of the slide and walking over to that child who's, you know, on the slide or walking over to a child who's overwhelmed and scared and, you know, they don't exactly know maybe how to articulate it, right? But besides validating it, okay, is showing them tools and redirecting them on how to work through it, not get over it, okay, but work through it to come to the other side. Because what a skill for life for them to learn, okay, how to walk through an uncomfortable, unwanted, you know, scary emotion, okay, that they don't know how to what they don't know how to call it, right? And over overcome it with tools and what those tools look like, right? So it's a little bit of validating and mirroring that you see that, you know, Johnny is not, you're not yourself right now. Like tell me like what, what what's going on? And if they, you know, they can't. They're they're just probably flooded with emotions too, maybe having a tantrum, maybe hysterical, right? And letting them know that, you know, sometimes we feel that too. Maybe testing you. With, with all kinds of behaviors that you wish they wouldn't do. Yeah, because that's the way it's going to come out, right? It's going to come out sideways. It's not going to come out with, Mom, I'm really overwhelmed about everything that's going on in our world. And how, what are your, so, and, and for the parents, because all of us forget our skillfulness when we're in the moment. So, so we're starting with the pause and the connection. And of course, connect before anything, just hold the moment, be present, let yeah. go of everything else that's in your to-do list and yes. your efficiency yeah. model. You're, you're putting me, you're, you're, I need to just say that I'm picturing myself, even when you say that, you know, somebody, the, I can have the little one on top of the stairs crying. And he's just crying on a step on the stairs. And I just have to put everything aside and just sit there on the top of that stair and until it passes. But it also requires, in, and I think in the COVID situation and on the slide example, um, a fearlessness because the parent, when they can't remember the skill, when they don't have the right script, what happens is they're like, but I don't know the right thing to do. I don't want to make it worse. He's going he's gonna to end up in ER because he's going to tumble down. All of It's that the calm and the fearlessness that says, no matter what my child is feeling or doing, I am their strength. I am their anchor. I can help. Yeah. And because and, I think the parents doubt in the moment can I really do the right thing? Can I really connect? And I think, and my answer is always, of course you can, of course you can, of course you can. But it means taking that leap of faith and trust in yourself and in your child. Yeah, Karen. And you know, I think also that parents need to, you know, believe that so much of what we can offer our children is just about being with them okay and again giving them the holding that holding space and it's not about saying the right thing as much as you know right like it's not you can't 
say, you're not going to say the wrong thing that's going to throw them over their edge. You're not going to say the right thing that's going to cure them. But um, being their parent is very often what children need when they are feeling flooded. Yeah. And if, if by chance that you would say the wrong thing, you know, that your child is now going to slap you in the face. Now you're, you know, that there's, that it's going to start to escalate before you get the calm. That's okay too, because it's that connection with that child, with your child and with the moment is going to lead you both out. What you said earlier, you've got to go through it and going through it in the messiest of ways is always better than not. I think we also need that as adults. I'm thinking about, you know, even what I would need from my husband very often is not him to say the right thing. And it's not that he can really say the wrong thing, although maybe he can. But what I really need, what we all really need is somebody to connect. And I feel that that is so much the cure of um, what we're like doing wrong in, in, in this country right now. It's just severing and we're well, not connecting. Again, I'm, I'm exhaling and feeling enormous peace. Do, can we go? We, we had said we'd go a half hour. Do you have an extra 10 minutes oh, to? Yes, yes. Okay, super. Because I feel like this piece, as essential as it is, has been so clear and so heartfelt that it's, 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 you are enough. You will always be enough and you are exactly what your child needs. Um, so we've gone from the biggest overwhelm to the simplest of tools. Um, and, but I also don't want to leave parents without, um, with all the rest that you can share for those tools, for that emotional um, connection, that emotional skill building. And I think you're right though, that the tools we need for one another, grown up to grown up, because we go back to that inner child. We go back to that vulnerability. Especially in, in like times like this, right? I think the inner child really gets affected um, when we are so out of control because, you know, that sort of mirrors what it's like when we're a child and we feel that, right? So I think especially nowadays, um, the inner child gets, gets affected. So when you had said something earlier that I'd like to go back to, and that is when your four-year-old went back to school, it didn't take long um, because he was where he needed to be. And what that says to me is when children are allowed to be children, and, and, and what I also love about that is that peer support, that when he's with his friends, what they're going to give him is something very different than what you give him. I can't. I mean, you can't. He, so he's so cute. He'll say to me, you know, he's very like verbal and expressive because his parents are therapists. So of course he says, mom, I love you so much. I can't take it. <laughs> you know, he doesn't want to go to school because he loves me so much. He wants to be with me. I can't take it, mom. And I said, first of all, I say like, Liam, I'm not that great. But you know, the fact that he feels that, that I am right. Yeah does show what makes him feel secure. Yes. And then the fact that I tell him, you know, Liam, being at school is where you're supposed to be. You're not supposed to be, you know, with me at work, you know, waiting for me to get out of my sessions or whatever. And then he'll come home and I'll pick him up or I'll pick him up and ask him about his day. 
And he says, it was so great. It was really great. And of course it was great because he's being fueled and fed and nurtured by what he needs in order for him to grow also. And, and, and so let's, talk, let's, let's list some of those. The play, the physical activity, the structure of those routines, the pure goofiness, you know, like when, a, when they're playing with masks or with even any of the COVID expressions, you know, we're going to look and go, oh, that's kind of misguided. But then you realize, but that's how a four-year-old brain works. And that's what a four-year-old brain needs to feel powerful and in control of their crazy world. Yeah. And I think the mask thing, the fact that there's, you know, 15 other kids who are also wearing a mask, they're in it together is, you know, for them, for the past two years, that's all they know. And so that's another thing where it's like, we're maybe we're over it or maybe this, but they're okay. And so let's really be careful not to project, you know, if the rule is right to wear the mask, then that's the rule. Okay. So we're not trying to, we shouldn't really try to fight that with our children being present at least, um, because they are again, more adaptable and they're in it all together. Right. So I love that. I love what their peers get and what that classroom or 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 any version of a child being in a child's space is something that is so much better than than everything that we want in our intellectual way to give them. But let's go back to that to the parent that's feeling so bad for that child's experience. Um, what is a parent supposed to do with that feeling of, but my heart breaks. This is their world. I, 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 it's wrong. How does a parent come to peace with that? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, so I'm thinking about that and I'm thinking about that it is sad that that is that this is the world, um, you know, that our that our children are growing up in. And I'm also so grateful for resilience and I'm also so grateful that, you know, in history, maybe we haven't seen this exactly, but we have seen other things that have happened in, in, in our country and in our world that have been influential to other people's lives. Okay. It's not the same exact, but there is, there's always change that occurs. There's always things that are impactful and influential and People are okay. People are okay. It adds to their story. Um, this is going to be part of their story. And I mean, what are we going to do about it? We can't change the story. Now, can we, we can't. change our responses? Can we control our reactions? Yes. Right? But this is part of the story. This is going to be part of the history books. I, I, I want to, again, repeat that. that that's such a huge... Um, I want to get to the practicality of how we in families hold the stories, retell the stories, um, and help children then be able to hook when they feel stressed, un fearful, um, anxious, they can then reattach to, but this story is normalized and this story is something that um, gives you comfort and has a happy ending even because we've got a parent holding the story that says, and it's really okay. Um, and then I also just want to say, um, let's just go with that. Okay yeah. It's not okay. 
I yeah. think that I think that's it too. It's okay and it's not okay. But that's the beauty of stories. I know what I was thinking is that idea that this isn't what childhood is supposed to be like. Darn it. Yeah. You know, so so and but what happens in every fairy tale, in every children's story is it goes through those arcs of nope, yes. that didn't go the way I wanted it to go. And here's how I can revisit that storyline narrative that gives me peace and comfort. And that's, that's, you know, what that's every Disney movie, right? It comes with some sort of tragedy or obstacle. And the narrative was rewritten, right? In a way, you know, after that, in, in a way that makes um, triumph yeah. uh, palpable. And that's our mission, is to help our children be their heroes. And, and let them see us as heroes uh, and and hold all of that for them. I love and it's so childlike to be able to and, and it's also the glue in families, um, the stories that we tell about who we are. Yeah, that's a big part. And, and we're all being challenged. This is something that, you know, we are all at the same time being challenged versus sometimes in life we all have different challenges in this Children are in it together. And I'm hoping that that is what prevails. I'm hoping that that connection, the fact that we are all affected, it's not just something happening to one person's life. I'm hoping that that's the triumph, right? That we're going to overcome and come out the other side and all those silver linings that we talked about and all of that. I hope that that's um, what's ahead, right? It's my hope that this, that as, as you said, as this generation is marked by this, these experiences, that they will know resilience, adaptability, power, and, and, and a way of being in the world that is far better than ours, who yes. came through sort of protected, yeah. um, or the illusion of protection. Mm. Um, I'm going to let you do uh, a little bit of a wrap up. I'm sure. I mean, cause I know we could have, we could have done weeks and weeks I and weeks talk to you like all day long forever. So let's just make sure that we get to say all the things that you want families to take with them. Um, what just those tips, those strategies that, um, support that just says you're not alone. And, um, there is a way to manage this, uh, a, a, just a little summary for all of this. So first I just want to, um, validate everybody who's having any reaction, right. To what's going on in the world, positive, negative, you're happy, you're sad, you're angry, you're whatever you are, it's yours. Okay. Whatever you are, it's yours and it's okay. And it, and you're not alone. Okay. So, um, I obviously am very big on connection. I'm really big on vulnerability. I am, um, I'm a trained professional who studied this and had to pass a national exam, right. In order to treat other human beings and help them overcome, but I'm not exempt. And none of us are exempt from the trials and tribulations that life faces. And one of the things that, you know, we can do with our children, and, and this is an opportunity, is that, like, you can bank on the storm because the storm is going to come, right? And we've been faced with this storm now for over, over, over two years. But the lesson that we can teach our children um, in terms of how to react to the storm 
is, is going to be a lifelong gift. Um, so with your own anxiety and your own feelings, please don't go through it alone. Please surround yourself by people who are going to give you that holding space to allow you to have the feeling and allow you to walk through the feeling. Okay. And similarly for your children to give them that holding space for them to have the feeling, right? Some are, can be articulated. Some cannot be articulated. Um, give them the tools. And if you can't give them the tools, ask for somebody who can help to give them tools. Right. And, um, that's, that's the best thing that we can possibly do with the deck that is handed to us. And, um, thanks for giving me sort of Karen, this opening to, um, heal, you know, with you, um, you, mine, ours. Um, and, um, just thank you. I have missed you. I am so grateful for this time and for you relaunching See Me, Hear Me, Love Me with me. So you know I will be back in touch. This is Tara Kevray. I will put up her email links um, to Boca, Boca Raton Counseling Center. And um, please, please, please stay in touch. Um, thank you. You're the best. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. I definitely want to hear from you. I want to hear your questions, your stories, your feedback. So message me at karen at familytimeinc.com or on Facebook, Karen Deerwester, or on Instagram, Karen underscore family time. And remember, you've got this and you're not alone. See you next week and thanks for listening. Bye.